Hello again. Welcome to the Content Strategy Podcast. I'm your host, Christina Halverson. This podcast is brought to you by contentstrategy.com and Brain Traffic, a content strategy consultancy. Find out more about Brain Traffic at braintraffic.com. Hey, thanks for coming back. It's really great to be here with you again virtually via our podcast. I'm Christina, and with me today is uh, one of the smartest dudes I've talked to, and his name is Ryan Skinner. Um, I've been speaking with Ryan about content strategy since 2013, and I am super psyched to have him on the podcast today. Ryan is a London-based marketing analyst for Forrester, which is a research and advisory firm based in Cambridge, Massachusetts. Ryan primarily contributes to Forrester's offerings for B2C marketing professionals. He analyzes how marketers should pivot from campaign and channel-focused strategies to content and customer-focused ones. Ryan, welcome to the Content Strategy Podcast. Hey, Christina. Good to be here. Thank you very much. I, I was saying to you before we started recording that all these many years, I have had you placed on the East Coast, in fact, in Cambridge, Massachusetts. And in fact, you are in London. And in fact, you came to London by way of Norway. And I'm wondering if you could share with me and the listening audience uh, kind of your journey to landing in London and talking about content strategy to B2C marketers. So, yeah, I guess tell me uh, everything. Sure, uh, really quickly in a nutshell. Um, so I went to Duke, I grew up in the States, of course, went to Duke. Uh, and then studied abroad for a year in, in jolly old England and loved it. Um, so I went back to Duke after that, got my degree, and then basically set sail for Europe and haven't come back. Where did you get your degree uh, settled, in? What? Where did you get your degree in? English, basically. Lit, Great. Literature. Great. So, I just, I always um, love hearing about the, all the amazingly useless degrees that all of us who work in the internet had, got at a liberal arts college. Yeah. Okay, continue. Renaissance <laughs> <laughs> history and very practical for internet purposes. <laughs> no, so yeah, studying, you know, post-structuralism and stuff was really helpful for exactly. like HTTP. Yeah. Exactly. Um, so yeah, uh, I went over to Europe after I graduated and traveled around a bit and just got offered a job in Norway to start doing some um, PR work for some of the big Norwegian international firms. So Norway is very big in shipping and oil and gas. So they needed help talking to the rest of the world for the very international industries. And so I started doing that with agencies and then just grew that and then eventually managed to finagle my way to a very exciting little agency in London called Velocity, where I was doing some really exciting content marketing work for big tech companies. And then after doing that for a few years, Forrester called up. They were looking for an analyst to focus on content marketing. Uh, they were getting a lot of clients. This was around 2011-12, asking questions around what should we do with this content marketing thing? This is blowing up and we have to have a, an approach. And so Forrester wants to have an approach, so they wanted to get an analyst to do that. So um, they brought me in and I started doing research on, on content marketing and made a playbook for content marketing back in yeah, 2013-14 timeframe. And I've been covering less kind of decreasingly kind of with a focus on content marketing per se is that got a lot of clients off kind of on the wrong foot and more on content strategy and customer experience and customer engagement type topics. Um, and today I do research on all those things as well as, you know, diving down into specific kinds of, of uh, executions like influencer where we have a lot of clients asking questions and in content marketing platforms and, um, all that kind of good stuff. So 
this is a content strategy podcast. This is not a content marketing podcast, but yeah. one of the things that you and I have connected on, on and off, whether it was, I know we've been on the phone at least twice and sort of uh, been back channeling via Twitter or wherever over the years, is interestingly, kind of what you said at the, at the start when you were talking about your work with Forrester, that you, you said that you feel like clients got off to the wrong foot in content marketing, which is what I was banging my fist on the desk about for low these many years. Um, <laughs> yeah. Tell me a little bit about what you mean by that. So um, it's like in, there was a tactical window, I think, during the, what, 2000, uh, probably from 2008, nine onwards to maybe 2013, 14, wherein to a certain degree, it was, yeah, going on starting publishing a bunch of content was almost like printing money in terms of driving traffic. Um, there was an opportunity, kind of a tactical window where getting visibility on Google search and getting people to share your content was uh, a big, wide gaping opportunity. And there were a lot of businesses that sped through that window um, and really blew up and had a lot of success, tons of traffic, and, and were potentially even able to close a lot of business off the back of it. This was very much a kind of tactical opportunity. And, and so suddenly there were a lot of people evangelizing this notion of just go out and crank out the content. And, um, you know, starting to analyze the thing in 2013, 14, 15, et cetera, it was quite obvious that that tactical window had quickly closed again um, and that from you needed to look at this thing from a more strategic perspective. And in that kind of context, you have to think about, you know, what is this going to do for the business and what is this going to do for the customer? And a lot of the kind of traditional way that content marketing was being discussed, think like a publisher, get out there, what are your publishing pillars? What is your editorial strategy? didn't make a lot of sense from a business or a customer perspective because it wasn't necessarily going to serve the business in any kind of clear way. And it wasn't going to serve the customer because the customer wasn't asking for that um, or even finding it terribly useful or valuable. So that's what led me to, to kind of make some of those transitions or that's what we were kind of seeing and advising clients. And so this is, of course, I'm like, you know, nodding my head violently, which I often do on this podcast, which nobody can see. Um, actually, what people should do is we should get Christina bobblehead so that when they're listening in their car and they're listening to people talking, I'm just nodding the whole time. Um, <laughs> uh, it's great. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to print money for bobbleheads. Uh, so, you know, what's interesting to me about the fact that you have seen that and been a part of and, and you know, witnessed that shift over so many clients that Forrester works with is that coming up from content strategy for websites, essentially, our, I personally have been talking about with other content strategists who work on websites forever, working to create content there that specifically bridges the gap between user needs and business goals. And that has always mm -hmm. been such a clear need on websites in particular because people are there to get things done, right? They're there to complete tasks. Yeah. Where do you think the blind spot is or was, I guess, with marketers when it came to asking some of those basic questions like, why would anybody care about this content? If we're going to spend money on this content, how is this coming back to the business? Like where, where are those blind spots? I think, um, so it depends upon the kind of marketer you're talking to and what their kind of strategic perspective is. Mm. Um, for a lot of marketers, they have very kind of clear brand building or product sales types of perspectives. And thus they are very kind of 
you might say, very tactically focused on accomplishing what is asked of them. Um, and for in a lot of those kinds of contexts, like things around customer experience, and customer experience is oftentimes how we discuss things around user needs, is trying to, to focus on you know, what the, the customer is actually trying to accomplish and making sure that that's easy and they get done what they want to get done and it's a, it's a good experience for them, isn't something or hasn't been something that they've focused on because the business wasn't focused on it because the business was largely built up around establishing kind of more transactional product-based um, value propositions. And we have researched and, and developed a lot of analysis around what it means to support a great customer experience. That is starting to focus more on those user goals, We're trying to make sure that people, as they're relating to your business, are finding it easy and they're, they're getting done what they want to get done and they're leaving ideally with a smile on their face or at least not a scowl. But that's a kind of long and, and ongoing process because just of, in terms of how businesses report, is how businesses traditionally talked about value. Um, so that's, it's just a kind of slog in getting marketers to open up their eyes to this different way of, of managing marketing and of supporting the business and how the business should be thinking. And in some instances, they get the memo and then they struggle to convince the business leadership. In some instances, the business leadership has gotten the memo and is wanting to pivot more towards a customer-centric or CX-driven vision and where marketing is still stuck in its kind of tactical weeds. And then, you know, in some instances, we see that the business sets up a separate group for customer experience, which is outside the purview of marketing, where marketing maintains this very tiny little, we're the ad guys, and what is actually the business driver um, and how customers experience the business is then managed entirely outside of marketing. So it really depends upon the, the marketer that you're talking to and how they think about their job and how they've traditionally thought about their job and brand and the category and all those kind of good things. Some categories are going to be more focused around user needs and some are going to be a lot less. Mm-hmm. Um, but it, yeah. Question so, of the marketer. Right. So you spoke briefly to kind of that sometimes leadership is the, you know, um, department or the people who, who kind of get the memo and are like, oh, customer experience. You know, one time I, uh, just for fun, um, Googled the year of the customer. And I was able to pull up magazine covers or articles dating back from like 2003, right? I mean, every year has been the year of the customer for like the past 20 years. And the thought has been, well, now, now it's the internet and people have, you know, the control and they get to jump from site to site or they get to fill up their cart and then abandon it. And it's our job to sort of serve their needs and so on. What like what is taking so long for certain companies, for leadership in particular? Or maybe let me ask this. Do you actually see that things at large are shifting or do you feel like it's a few companies that are getting it and that the rest of, uh, the, rest of the marketplace is still lagging? You know, I think uh, most businesses are slowly getting the memo. I think if you like look at some of your, a lot of your digital experience, at least my own, we have a tendency to, or at least I have a tendency to overlook the fact that a lot of things have gotten a bit easier. Um, so when businesses in a way do, when the kind of water rises, if you will, and it, like, for example, it's rarely the case, at least in my experience, that like the shopping cart for a transactional site just forks and dies. And I got to do the whole thing all over again. It happens more often than I probably like, but, you know, zooming back just kind of five years or more ago, that was something that happened almost all the time or very frequently and happens a lot less now. 
Um, so it's almost like there has been um, an improvement in that direction, uh, but it's just slower than I suppose we'd all like. It's it's one of those things where culture moves slow, business moves slower than, than people think. Everyone talks about how everything moves super fast, but um, in terms of culture businesses, in terms of how people work, it's oftentimes can move a lot slower than we think it really does. So getting a whole like business leadership, people who, who have their MBAs, et cetera, have been running businesses for a decade and have focused exclusively on a lot of things around, you know, managing um, supply chains, et cetera, to drive uh, competitive advantage or trying to um, differentiate based upon access to information or things like that. The idea of differentiating based upon customer experience, um, even if it is going to drive the business more than any of the other things, which become table stakes, is still um, something where they're not, they're not entirely there and they're still having to kind of learn and, and gather the data and make that kind of evolution, I suppose, in their head. So it's, yeah, it's a combination of things. I think we're making progress, but also things are slower than we'd like them to be, um, but we're getting there. So one thing that's really interesting to me as I'm, as I'm listening to you talk is that, in my experience at least, what I have seen is that a lot of times when you sit down to talk with a content marketer or somebody who's responsible for the website, you know, and they're saying, oh, our content is a mess, you know, what they're really saying is, or when you push it, what they're really saying is people who are coming to us aren't finding what they're looking for or they're just not interested in what we are offering. And that it mm. is, in fact, that conversation around the content that drives towards the larger conversation around the importance of customer experience and around the importance of connecting and understanding your customer needs and expectations and how those uh, needs and expectations can be met in order to kind of fulfill these different business goals. What are some ways in which you have seen coming in to talk about whether it's tactical conversations around content or larger conversations about, you know, content operations or talking to content strategy? What are some examples of what you've seen kind of larger in terms of larger conversations that have been surfaced when you start talking about content itself? Um, well, it's as you say, it tends to spread out into all kinds of different directions. Um, we get asked around content as it relates to, for example, um, many different efforts by the business to enhance engagement, for example. So as a team is talking about their email program, or they're talking about a customer loyalty program, or they're talking about an acquisition program or an awareness play, they're trying to say, how can we manage this experience to be more effective? What role can content play in that? Um, so there's those kinds of conversations that are just purely kind of engagement level conversations. What does good look like? And then there's the conversations that we get a lot of that are almost more like governance level kind of questions where, as you say, they're, they're saying we're creating content for customers across a lot of different channels. And all that content, like content in one channel is very different from the content in another channel, even though it's going to be consumed by the same person, oftentimes in the same journey. And that can't be good. Um, and we're duplicating content and all these kinds of things that happen um, in large businesses. And they say, you know, we know a lot of this is just cost of doing business, but there must be some smarter ways of working. And so we get in questions like that that are very kind of open-ended governance kind of related kind of questions that oftentimes the reason that it's come to a head is that they've decided 
they want to personalize a lot more, for example. And in the context of personalization, they're saying, how do we manage, for example, personal um, identity and the content that matches that across the different channels? And so that drives that conversation. It kind of a, a motivates it. Um, and then, yeah, they want to talk to us about how to kind of organize the teams and, and address it. That as well as, you know, just content technology types of questions, um, which I then typically, depending upon what they're looking for, partner with uh, other analysts focused on, say, well, I have a Mark Grannon here at Forrester focused exclusively on CMS and different di aspects of digital experience. So it, it really depends. It comes in kind of from different angles, but I would say those are the kind of major um, questions that we get coming inbound. So, you know, what's interesting to me is that the span of those conversations is so vast. I mean, you are talking on the one hand to people about how can we make this content more engaging, and on the other hand about operationalizing content across multiple touch points, both, you know, uh, customer facing and also on the back end in terms of how you're managing it. Um, you must have an opportunity with your different clients then to sort of see organizations at all different stages of maturity when it comes to how they think about content as a business asset or if they do it all. Do you, are you mm -hmm. seeing any, any trends in terms of there are more organizations who are maturing through that process? Do you see that some are just stuck and some are moving very quickly? Is there a certain kind of organization who uh, is better equipped to kind of move along that, that path? What, tell me some of your, your observations there. Yeah, I, I had experience and I had experience with a number of businesses that have wanted to address, take kind of a holistic view of content. Um, so one kind of major hospitality business that owned a lot of hotel brands wanted to centralize content. And I know the, the person who's running that there had challenges in convincing all the brands that there was any point in them collaborating with each other around content because they took such a tactical perspective on, on what content was going to do. And so that it was a kind of classic experience of, of challenge. And I saw the same from, you know, I can't say who, but a major automaker who also found that across all their car brands, they were having challenges in terms of just just consistency with content, um, bad customer experiences, um, and so on and so forth. So a lot of these efforts to, to centralize have been, well, very challenged because it, it immediately touches, for example, each of these brand owners and the teams within them. The moment that somebody from head office or whatever says, we want to like talk about harmonizing or optimizing or centralizing or anything like that, they can feel the, the puppet strings anyway, kind of pull, or, or maybe describe it as like the, someone's reaching into their pocket. Um, and so they hesitate. They don't want to cooperate with those kinds of things. And it's, it becomes a big, big kind of governance kind of issue where sometimes a central organization just doesn't have the, the mojo to push it through. They're just like, well, I think that's probably going to be a no-go. Those kinds of projects become very challenged. Those businesses where I've seen it become or have been most successful are Oftentimes, those businesses where in, like, say, retail, um, we've seen businesses in retail where they recognize that content and content around retail experiences has a very specific benefit um, and that discontinuity or bad content experiences can have a real immediate impact on the bottom line in terms of sales, in terms of the availability of their, their, their products. Um, another group that's been... 
I suppose at least pushing on this front has been um, some of the financial services companies as they see more challenges around compliance, um, then that has led them to focus more on, you know, getting serious about how the content is managed and how customers relate to them. And, and they've also, as they've been challenged by the, in the, in the investment company space, by a lot of the, the smaller um, investment apps and so on and so forth, who specialize a lot more in customer experience. I think they're really feeling the heat um, in terms of improving their customer experience and in terms of making things easier and the content more consistent and supporting um, rich and valuable experiences. So that's kind of from, from worst in a way to best, I suppose, uh, at least from what I've seen. As you're working with these different teams, as they're sort of shuffling and wrangling and restructuring and succeeding and failing and so on, what kinds of positions are you seeing become available at organizations? Which ones are, are they really hiring for? Which ones are they hired for and now they're cutting back or, or restructuring? And I ask this because just the other day, I, I went on LinkedIn to, with their jobs, not because I am looking for a job as far as you know, uh, and just typed in content. And I, I swear to you, mm-hmm. on the first two pages, there were like 40 different titles with the name content, with the word content in them, which is insane because not that long ago, you would go looking for content and there were like four jobs available. Tell me about the kinds of roles that you're, that you're seeing right now. Yeah, I mean, there's, there's, of course, a lot of content openings that are around just, they're basically just looking for people to write stuff for them. Um, so kind of relatively, not terribly senior positions. Um, I would say that the, the notion of a kind of, there's, I would say in, in a lot of businesses, maybe somebody who has some kind of quote unquote content marketing leadership type title, which is oftentimes a director, maybe a VP level. Um, aside from that, I mean, we see, some kind of content strategy type roles, but those are primarily, I haven't seen as many of those in the large enterprises. Sometimes we'll see like head content strategist within kind of a, kind of a smaller business or uh, an interesting startup or app where they focus on content strategy. Um, so I haven't seen as much of that. I would say we're seeing a, obviously a big growth in terms of customer experience titles wherein the person who's responsible for a customer experience might have um, also a focus on content. Um, I'm seeing some positions, and this is kind of a, it'd be a very narrow group, but emerge specific to content governance um, and helping some of these large organizations discuss and govern their content. But yeah, I think the vast volume that I've seen of growth is, seems to have been more around the kind of creators and um, people who are going to be like sourcing content or producing content, especially for some of the B2B businesses who have a high volume of need for content and different versions of content, et cetera. And not, unfortunately not as many on the, the content strategy side. Yeah, I was going to say, I was going to say that is a huge disconnect for me, right? Like mm-hmm. to hear that, Oh, some of these organizations are finally starting to tackle, you know, what is customer experience and what does that mean when we're considering our content strategically but what you're seeing yeah. is still a push for content creation and sourcing over people who are really thinking about content efforts from a strategic perspective. Yep, yep. The, the organizations are very focused on just 
making stuff to get out the door to drive the leads or the, the short-term tactical stuff. And I mean, it's not surprising from a volume perspective that there's going to be more of those than there are the kind of um, sure. bigger strategic heads. So that's natural. Um, but yeah, it is, uh, it's relatively limited. Do you have hope that that will shift? What I'd like to see, especially for the big enterprises that we advise is there's kind of a combination of things, but the, the best kind of approach that I feel like I've seen has been to establish a few roles at a central level that is kind of a center of excellence that helps with some of the, the governance helps with establishing some clear guidelines, templates, et cetera, makes things easy for the different content creators or content marketers or whoever throughout the organization to work collectively. And then within the different business units or lines of business or whatever to have content professionals who are kind of connected in a matrixy kind of way with their peers, but working primarily towards the business, um, where they're able to combine a focus on the business and the customers you described. You know, that's the ideal. Um, I think because there's some things, I, I mean, ideally content people are contributing to the customer experience and the business value in the context of, you know, what the business is trying to do. Um, but there's some aspects, some roles, some definitions, some governance, et cetera, that has to happen typically above that. Um, otherwise, you just have a lot of discoordinated, smart people doing discoordinated things. Yeah, you just described content. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, what advice would you have? Uh, so let's start with internally at the enterprise or at large companies. What advice would you have for those smart people who are doing disconnected things, who are seeing that this stuff needs to be more connected in order for the organization to provide kind of that, that seamless, satisfying customer experience? Uh, and they don't know, like they're having trouble kind of getting other marketers to listen or you know, the people that are tossing content requests over the, over the wall at them and saying, get this done before a day after tomorrow. Like, where can those folks start the conversation to begin to shift towards that strategic consideration of content as more of a business asset? Yeah, I mean, that's a business case to be made to um, the, the business leadership. Um, now, that not, might not necessarily be like CEO level, but ideally marketing leadership or uh, head of business strategy or, you know, some kind of president level, as I say, at that automaker, a case was made at the president level of the, the brand to say, here's all the ways that we are losing value. We're seeing value slip away just through, for example, referring to a similar thing in different ways or recreating the same thing 10 different times or, you know, all those kind of that, that laundry list of things that happen from discoordination. And here's the kind of specific things that we can do. So, for example, um, a consistent taxonomy across the business to just tag and label things in a consistent way. Maybe uh, a clear shared content system to, to enable us to have common workflows. Um, maybe um, you know, other tone of voice types of definitions, et cetera. To say these are some clear steps that we could do that would have benefits across all of our lines of business. You know, that's the kind of business case that needs to be made in order to, to get the go-ahead to say, okay, now we can address these things at an enterprise kind of level. Typically, then they're going to say, like, and the challenges here is how, how in-depth is that going to impact each of the lines of business? So there's a kind of combination that has to be done where you're arguing up, but you're also arguing across. So 
for each of the content teams within the line of business to feel like that's something that they want to contribute to and they'll get value out of. Um, but given that a lot of our content people are generally speaking heading in the same direction, that's not typically a, a hard case to make. This becomes kind of maybe a, a question of a little bit of internal politics and ambition. When you, this is my last question. Now I'm going to do that. Looking into the future, looking into the future <laughs> of content and content strategy. You know, if you, if you think about organizations four to five years down the road who are still kind of spinning around, why do we have all this content? What are we making this for? Why, why do we keep hiring more content creators? And, uh, you know, what do you, what kind of a shift do you hope to see or do you think we will see within those organizations really? And I mean, five years seems like forever in the internet age, but it's not that far out. But what, what do you hope to see? Yeah, I, I spoke with um, someone who worked at an agency that was helping. Oh, it was one of the big European internet retailers. Um, I think it was like Azos or someone like that. And they were describing for me because they were they were relatively savvy in terms of their content management. And they had gone from interestingly like very rich descriptions of their their different products, and then paired it way back to the like most simple of simple, like literally just a handful of images in a very short and concise and pithy product description. And she said what they were trying to do was to increase kind of the engineering around the content. So just basically stripping it way back before then building it up against a way that could be automated in a way that they were sure was going to have value to the the actual consumer at the end. I think that's probably a process that's needed in a lot of organizations is this, this notion of stripping things back, like taking the foot off the gas pedal of, of creating so many things and trying to look at a customer journey and saying, where are our customers actually going to get value from us creating content or hosting content or maintaining content, updating content, and these kinds of things. And that will oftentimes may lead to making less stuff, having a smaller kind of creative services department potentially, um, but having creative or content people kind of more embedded with the business teams who are working to support, say, a customer journey or something like that. I'd like to see, you know, in four to five years, a business get more focused around understanding their customers, supporting those customers' journeys, and then where content plays a key role supporting that. I don't, you know, want to lift up content for its own sake, um, but lift up the customer and, and what you know, you or I are trying to do is we're relating to, you know, REI or um, Crest Toothpaste or God knows what, you know, business we're doing and getting more value out of that experience and, and helping those marketers, those brands and the, and the content people within them to be supporting those, those, those customer journeys as opposed to just kind of a, a, a tactical output, if you will. That's where I'd like to see things going. Me too. Let's go out there and make it happen, folks. Ryan, this, <laughs> hey, Christina Bobblehead nodding especially violently right now. <laughs> and the Ryan, Ryan Bobblehead. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's right. Special edition. Uh, there we go. Ryan, thank you so much for joining me today and sharing your insights. Um, it's, it's great to talk to you, and I look forward to staying in touch in the months and years to come to uh, see more of what you're seeing and thinking and hoping for. Really appreciate it. Great. Yeah, it's been a pleasure, Christina. Thank you for having me on. Thanks so much. You've been listening to the Content Strategy Podcast. I'm your host, Christina Halverson. 
This podcast is brought to you by contentstrategy.com and Brain Traffic, a content strategy consultancy. Find out more about Brain Traffic at, of course, braintraffic.com. Thanks, and we'll see you next time.